Hello everybody and welcome to Squared Circle Gazette Radio, episode 126. I'm not Liam O'Rourke, as you may have noticed, I'm Matt Holt, I'm back, and I'm sat <laughs> opposite Liam O'Rourke. Tonight's a very special episode, sat in between me and Liam, on the table in front of us is a copy of Crazy Like a Fox, the definitive chronicle of Brian Pillman, 20 years later. This is why you have been completely devoid of podcasts for so <laughs> damn long. Sorry everybody. Uh, it's been a long ass journey, um, while Liam has been writing and working on this book, researching it, but it, you know, this is a chance for us to sit down to get the podcast back out, and uh, and to sit down with Liam and talk about, what, what we're not going to do tonight is talk through the book, we're not going to tell you, you know, each chapter and stories and stuff, we're going to talk about the process we're going to talk about Leah's personal memories about Pillman all sorts of different topics covered but if you want to know what's in the book God's sake, get yourself off and buy a copy. It's available on Amazon.co.uk. That will not be the last time I will tell you that this today. <laughs> so we're going to, um, you know, get get out there, get the book bought, read it. It was a fantastic read. I'll say that just up in advance. Uh, and I personally learned so much. And um, we're going to talk all about the process of what brought it to you now. Liam. And, and, and we should detail, the very first person to buy a copy was uh, yeah, you. Yeah, I did. We, Liam and I work at the same place. And hot off the press is he let me know that it had gone on sale a day earlier than you thought. Yeah, yeah, about two days earlier than I expected. Two days earlier than expected, and I was in there with my Amazon Prime membership like a son of a bitch, <laughs> uh, and uh, I was uh, straight was, in there. It was impressive. It, it was. was. Impressive. I, I was pleased to be number one off the press. I mean, it's not numbered, but you know, it's uh, it's well loved already. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, no, it was, it was great. To, to, and then it came, you know, arrived so quick, and I, mm. I then just like I'm sure so many of you are listening, or so many of you should already have got it. Uh, you know, devoured it in over a course of a few nights. Just um, it's what I will say about the book is it is a real page turner you know that it flows well brian's story is such a fascinating one um that just covers so many different times and places not just in wrestling but the rest of his life so um you know we're going to talk to the man who knows all about it we're going to talk out of the host seat into the hot seat it's weird being on this side of the open I bet table. it is. i bet it is <laughs> ladies and gentlemen liam o'rourke welcome Thank you very much for the, for the great sales pitch at the start. And uh, yeah, this has obviously been in the works for, for, for quite some time, and I'm glad it's finally out there. Oh, well, let's start there then. Let's start with the genesis of the book. We're going to jump around in timelines and all yeah, that sort yeah, of stuff. Sure. We're just going to go with where this feels right. I've got you know a series of questions, but there is there is no format here, folks. We're nope, on the format nope, sheet, Tony. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's start start with that. Start with the genesis of the book. Genesis of the book. All right. So um, it's in terms of how the decision was made to actually come up with it, there was... It's funny because there was right before I decided I was going to do it, mm-hmm. there was a book I read. It's sitting in my bookcase right now. I'm not going to say what it was because what I'm about to say is a little bit insulting. <laughs> but there was a book that I read that, while it was, it, it, it gets a lot of good reviews. People mm. like it. Yep. And I didn't. I enjoyed it. Mm. But at the same time, when I read it, I just kind of looked at it and thought, like it, but I don't think that this really added so much. Where in my own mind, because I'd been an enormous Pillman fan forever. Um, and, and if you really want to talk Genesis, that the whole idea of, of Pillman specifically was, I've always been obsessed with. Most I, I trained to wrestle in the FWA Academy yep. in Portsmouth in like two thousand two, two thousand three. Yep. And among the guys that I would always watch tapes of was Pillman. Not yep. necessarily because I thought that he was one of the best wrestlers of all time, yep. but it was just like an intangible quality in him that I always thought he had. Yep. And I could never, you know, as a as a younger fan, you never really can quite put your finger on. Yeah. Um, and so it's like I always had that thing of like wanting to study Brian and wanting to learn more about him because the thing with Pillman that I think he has that a lot of people don't is that when you kind of scratch beneath the surface a little bit it, it's far more interesting and when you scratch even further it's even more interesting and then when you finally you know, peel the onion and you spread it apart like a cadaver on, 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 the, on the slab you know, like on the table it's just even more fascinating it's like this story is absolutely incredible and it's like I, it would always bother me when 
people would relay this story. Because the thing is, too, the thing with Brian in my head the entire time I was doing this, there was that nagging feeling of his story is quite well known. Mm. So, oh, yeah. So, yeah. so what is it that requires the necessity for this book? Yeah. And because I've been studying for so long, I knew a lot of things that a lot of people didn't. Mm. And again, of course, yeah, with, with the things that I would do to actually progress the book, it's like this story fully fleshed out, not yeah. compressed into sound bites, yeah. not compressed into he's small but he made the NFL, yeah. which, which you know, come on, there's so much more to the story. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. And it's like, the, you know, again, in wrestling too, like, oh, he became the loose can, but how did he do it? How did you? Know, what, what were the mechanics? What did he do? What did he read? What did he learn? What was Kim Wood's perspective? Because he was crucial to the whole thing. And you know, all these little elements that like. You know that they're not all out there, yeah. and even if they are out there, about yeah, about a third of them are maybe, and and they're all so disparate that it's like pull everything together, add the right context, get all these interviews from the people who were there at these specific times that I think are interesting, and really yeah. tell the story of Brian's life in a way that I didn't think had been told before. And uh, about two years ago, actually, pretty much to the month of this podcast, yeah. um, we were talking about something. I can't remember what the topic was, but me and Kieran were talking about Pillman. Yeah, your brother Kieran. Yeah, yeah, my brother Kieran. Co-host. Co-host, uh, co-host of Squared Stuff on Gazette Radio. Yeah. And he mentioned offhand something about writing a book. Mm. What, you, you, you're, you, um, something to do with Dave Meltzer as well, about how you, you'll need to talk to Dave when you write a book one day. And I was just like, what would I write a book about? And then I kind of offhandedly said, other than Brian Pillman. Yeah. And then it just kind of that spark of whatever, yeah. combined with reading this, this other non-named book at the same time, I was like, you know what? I actually think I could do that. Not only do it, but I think I could do it. I think if I got the right sources, yeah. I think I have a chance of doing him justice. Yeah. And I would rather take the swing and give it a shot, yeah. thinking there's a good chance that I could really contribute something with this book. Yeah. That, hey, let's, let, why not try it? And as it turned out, I got... I got quite lucky I think yeah yeah no doubt I mean already straight away there's a few names that you've mentioned there um, possibly the, the only name that will come close to being mentioned um, as many times as Brian Pillman tonight is possibly Kim Wood Kim Wood um, yeah. you know a massively um, important part of, of Pillman's story uh, and a massive part I'm pretty sure of the, the book and your story the creation of it. it so we'll come to that in just a second but one of the things that we, we touched on there one thing I do think is, didn't I show you on that book that you're talking about? I'm pretty sure uh, I told you to one. read it. <laughs> it might be the one that we Tell me off air. <laughs> so, so, yeah, one of the things I wanted to do was, um, obviously, you, you talk there about uh, this other book that you read. The, 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 the big thing that you managed to achieve with this book that I think is one of its absolute hallmarks, apart from being really well written, is the original sources and interviews. Mm. And we're going to come to those in a minute, but I want to compare and contrast really quickly um, I personally have never sat down and watched it all, but we can't talk about your progression into writing Pillman's story without talking about the the one core attempt that had been done at it before, which was WWE's um, DVD. What was the title? Like, this is Brian Pillman, Brian Pillman Loose Cannon. Cannon. So, what year did it come out? Two thousand six. Two thousand six. And your first impression? You saw it at the time? I saw it straight of away. Course, yeah. First, first thing I did. Couldn't get it quick enough. Watched it a dozen times. Um, and it was complimented at the same time. At the time of release, Dave Meltzer had written a great piece on Pillman in the Observer okay. in 2006. And obviously, Meltzer is known for his great obituaries. Yeah. And he'd done like a bit of a retrospective full story on Pillman in 2006. Yep. In line with the release, and it was one of those things where I watched the DVD and I really enjoyed it. But at the same time, I was it was, it was one of those things where I enjoyed it because of the footage. But I was disappointed. Yep. I, I enjoyed it because of the footage. I enjoyed it because I thought they did the best job they'd ever done of covering his football career up to that point. Yes, yeah. Even though I knew there was far more to the story, but it's like, they, they did, by their standards, it was good because they they brought in all these people that aren't part of wrestling. Yes. You know, yeah. They didn't bring in Steve Lombardi to tell the story about talking heads. Yeah, 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 exactly. They didn't have the Miz there talking about his football career. You know, <laughs> it wasn't something like that. It was it was a thing of okay, they actually brought in some people that are from outside the business. 
But again, like now that I've spoken to a lot of the same people, it's like, God damn, they missed it. And actually, an interesting note, I found this out while doing this book. They actually filmed everything the way they should. They asked everything the way they should because it wasn't the WWE that made that that, that filmed that DVD. They they outsourced the filming to a wow, film company. Okay, the, a film company did all a lot of the legwork in terms yeah. of you know, filming people and, that, and that's why they went and found all these other people and brought them in. And then when WWE got the raw the rushes as they say in production, they just hacked it to shit. They left all the good details out. They yeah. and it just it was. I looked at it and I just thought. You know what? By WWE standards, that's a good DVD, but that's still twenty percent of the story. Yeah, and God, it's imagine so what, what could be achieved with their footage and your, you know, like yeah, exactly. putting those two together. Yeah. Um, but yes, yeah, so, so so the the, the DVD, are people like Kim would featured on it. Kim was on it, yeah. Kim yeah. was Kim was on it, but again, he just and a lot of the stuff I know, a lot of the stuff that he told me, he told them, mm. and they just left it on the cutting room floor because they didn't want to tell that story. Yeah, there's a lot to tell here, and they just opted not to. You talked about the. Um, the, it being the sort of most comprehensive up to that point um, coverage of his football career. Mm. Um, uh, when when you say the twenty percent left out or you know twenty percent of the 20% story, told, yeah, twenty percent eighty percent left out. Is that across the board? Would you feel there are whole sections of his life oh, that were yeah. missed? Like, what, what, what's the makeup of it? So in the in the WWE's DVD, they did a decent job of talking about his football career, more so than had ever been done up to that point. But again, Pillman gets signed as a free agent by the Bengals. Yep, but he somehow made the team. Yeah. And to me, that's like, oh, come on. There's got to be a story There's there. more yeah. to that. I, I knew yeah. then there was more to it before I ended yeah. up doing all the research I ended up doing for the book yeah. where it's like, okay, now this is just getting ridiculous. Like this, this is actually a fascinating story that ties into so many elements of his life later yeah. on yeah. that for it to be ignored and sidestepped. Like, how on earth are you storytellers? Yeah. Because you had this golden story in the palm yeah. of your hand and you just let it slip through your fingers. And that's, yeah. and again, like you say, in the W's DVD, that whole kind of like three-year period of, of of when he first gets into WCW is summed up by people saying, "Well, he, he revolutionised the in-ring style of the business from a high-flying perspective." It's like, well, that's pretty shallow. <laughs> like, that's a pretty that's a pretty hollow look at, at at three years of twists and turns, peaks and valleys. Booker's changing, you know, him him going high, him going low, you know, personal stuff going on. It's like, there's a lot to say here, and you're not touching any of it, and you just you, again, the clips are nice, the clips are enjoyable. But it's not telling the story, and that's and that's when I had the idea of could I do it? I watched the DVD, yeah. and that sold me on. I've absolutely got to do Good this idea. book because this. If it, what bothered me most, I think I wrote this in the intro. One of the things that bothered me was the idea of people watching that DVD and thinking that was all there was to the story. Yeah, and it's like that. That's not it at all. That's not it at all. And and that obviously then must have you know as you've, you've clearly made it there informed your uh, attempt to write the book. Mm-hmm. I want to ju- just jump back really quickly to your you talked about there when you were training at the FWA Academy and that you watched a lot of Pillman tapes. Then I'm assuming that was you coming back to Pillman. That wouldn't have been your first exposure. No, to no, Pillman. no. F- first first exposure to Pillman. I hate his guts. <laughs> really? Because he was he, yeah. So obviously for us in the UK, worldwide was on ITV on Saturday afternoons. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we would get. And it wasn't like on too much of a delay either, as best mm-hmm. I remember. So like Kieran was a, who's got five years on me. He's yeah. my older brother, but I was kind of like lingering around. What sort of age are we talking about here? What, what so he years? would have been. So this would have been ninety one, ninety two. So I'd have been four or five years old. He'd yeah. have been nine, ten. Yeah, yeah. So he, he's big, age gap. Yeah, yeah. He's he's a big wrestling. He was a big wrestling at the time. I was getting into it. I was kind of just like watching it from over his shoulder and be like, "What's this?" But I, I Pillman had just turned heel. I've got this vivid <laughs> memory from slapping Brad Armstrong from Clash of the Champions twenty. It's like, God, I hate that guy. So that would have been a clip shown on Worldwide. Or? Yeah, yeah. It was, it was a clip on Worldwide just to sh- I guess to show the angle. Yeah. And then obviously you watch a bunch of tapes from like you know the video store and he's a baby face and he's a great baby face <laughs> it's like what the fuck's going on here yeah. but like again th- th- and there were so many guys who 
kind of captivate your imagination as a kid anyway. Yeah. But there was always something about Pillman that stood out, even when I was understand this guy. It was like it was an irrational hatred for a youngster. I always think what's interesting with Pillman is is a lot of the guys. Um, you, I always think of it as either like a, a swinging needle or a, a pendulum or scales. You tend to always have an impression of them as either a baby face or a heel. You know, mm-hmm. lots of guys do great runs at both. Yeah. Um, you've got people um, like Steamboat who who pure baby face. You know, but. I always think with Pillman on any given Sunday I can think of him as the be- one of the best of both yeah. you know like I can think of him as that that sort of great high energy you know fired up baby clapping face, his hands all the time and fist pumping as he yeah. you know rocks and everything. or I can picture him as that sort of like you know people always say about you know Jake Roberts being one of the great mind heels and, and obviously Raven then got you know scored in but I, you know I think Pillman's heel stuff was, was that cerebral as well P- like, Pill- Pillman is that's one of the again in terms of things I learned in this book, I always, you always have that thing again of like how intelligent Brian Pillman is. Yeah. Man, you don't even know. It doesn't feel like to me, it's like you don't know the half of it until you actually yeah. kind of look at the way he looks at things and again, detailed in the book. Yeah. You know, again, the, the way he approaches things that he wants to know. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting because with Pillman, it's one of those things that's like, I didn't really think of this until, uh, I think it was Mark Madden said it to me, yeah. where he goes, the thing with Pillman you have to remember is that wrestling wasn't his first choice. Mm. It wasn't his dream. It was something that he kind of fell into and then obviously wanted to get good at and wanted to learn. And there's a, there's a different attitude towards people who get into the business, not because they love the business, yeah. but because they come to love the business because it, because it, it fits them and it's kind yeah. of convenient. And that's the thing. It's like, he, it wasn't like a fan student. It was like a scholar student of, yeah. obser- almost like a detached observing yeah. of this bizarre world and how yeah. he can kind of navigate his way. Yeah. Not that he didn't ever see himself as part of the business, but he definitely saw. I definitely think he, he certainly was a certain detachment. It was, it was almost like he wasn't enamoured, so he was able to see it through a different lens. He was able to see it for what it was, and he yeah. had really smart people coaching him yeah. from very early, early, early kind of introduction to the business. Yeah. And because of that, it's like again that intelligence you talk about in terms of an intelligent delivery of a heel. Mm. It's like it's because he didn't look at it the same way as everybody else. He yeah. had a different lens. I guess in terms of before we get started on on once the book got rolling and and, and the um, you know you, how you got started with it, your uh, we need to talk about your background in writing and journalism because you know you're you're not just some Joe Schmo who, who sort of just picked up a pad and paper and said well yeah I'm gonna write me a Brown Pillman book you know like, <laughs> it was uh, you, you you've got a background in writing you you, you studied uh, what what was your degree it was uh, journalism and editorial design and Brilliant. I sucked at the editorial design part because I have no artistic skill whatsoever I yeah. couldn't make the as great as the cover of the book looks I can't claim it as my own work that was John Haddock doing Chris, an awesome John job Haddock, yeah yeah and 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 that's I mean the journalism part was what I was there for it yeah. wasn't for the editorial design I, yeah. I'm not interested in art and stuff I can't I can't do it from there kind of fell into like a local paper I moved to Preston at one point and my next door neighbour and landlord was a doctor and he owned a company he owned a company that was part of a company called Basics I, I'm, I'm reaching for what it stands for yeah. basically they dealt with pre-hospital emergency care okay and they had like an online training course and, and as part of this online training course like videos and you know how to become qualified as a, as a pre-hospital emergency care physician or whatever yeah and it was like okay we need this company Basics needs a copy editor to kind of send out press releases and talk to medical journals mm. and because I had the, the journalism background and live right next door he's like you there <laughs> the way that these medical journals work is different because I would send out these press releases and I get like you know I would assume okay they'll they'll do whatever they want with this press release but instead it'd be like the journal of paramedic practice comes back to me and says we like this can you write 2500 words on it Wow. and that's it like that's the way medical yeah. journals work they don't really yeah. take something and rewrite it themselves the way like, yeah. magazines or websites would as you'd expect it's like okay you 
produce it Good you give it to us and if we like it then we will put it in there and they did and so what would end up happening was you have like the British Medical Journal or like I said Journal of Parliamentary Practice there's a bunch of them where it's just like they're just taking my yeah exactly it's like and here I am being able to say that I, I write in medical journals and how smart do I sound but I couldn't tell you the first thing about a lot of medical stuff but at the same time because I would be writing some of this you know 3,000 4,000 5,000 word pieces on a certain element of pre-hospital emergency care I would kind of through osmosis learn some of the stuff that ends up in this book yeah. funnily enough yeah, about whether yeah. it be drugs or heart attacks or yeah. strokes or certain heart disease and, and stuff like that would, that would come up in Brian's case so moved back down really had nothing to do with journalism at that point um, just got completely away from the scene when I moved away from Preston yeah. and then again just yeah, I would always I would always write I would always write about wrestling because it interests yeah. me and you know, write for Steel Chair Magazine and yep. vulturehound.co.uk and stuff yep. like that and uh, but then yeah, it's just like but I always had the the writing itch. Even when I was yeah. a little kid, I always had the writing itch. And what I will say is, I remember having a conversation about the idea of the book and, and talking about your, your background and how you wanted to do the book. And and I remember just thinking, do you know what? Every part of me wants to like pat you on the head and go, "All right, kid, yeah, good lad." But <laughs> I know what a tenacious son of a bitch you are. And and I knew that you know you know what, what hell or high water this is going to be. The, the best story that Liam can possibly tell he won't you know won't settle for I mean and at that point the, the, the number of people you spoke to and the amount of time will come on to all of that and shortly I had no idea you were going to you know go to that sort of level and depth neither did I but <laughs> I knew that the book would be I knew the book would, would be good and I, I knew it would be worth reading so that's first and foremost and I can remember remember that first conversation mm. well but obviously the book really I think takes off with the first interviews that you did that's got to be when you suddenly feel not only do I know there's a story to tell here, but good God, I've found someone to tell it. Well, that's it, yeah. Um, now, my recollection of it was that Kim Wood was the first person you spoke to. He was, I know, so I'd, I'd had some kind of involvement with a couple of people in years past, in terms yes. of people I'd spoken to about Brian, who, who aren't named in the book, because I, I, but I had the knowledge from speaking to these people. Yeah. But the point was, Kim was, when I first had the idea to do the book, I wasn't sold that I was going to do it. It was like, okay, I think this could be done. I think that I could do this well, because I think there's a lot that people don't know. Yeah and I, there is certainly a lot that people don't know I know that for a fact now but like it's like okay I'm gonna do a couple of interviews and I'm just gonna see if I'm in the right direction here yes. I, I just, I just need, it's almost no like, commitment at that point exactly I yeah. just needed that one thing to kind of tip me over like no because everybody knows all this yeah. or yes because people don't know this enough yeah. and it's like and, and then and, and again like you say the person I, I got in touch with was Kim Wood yeah. who was the, the strength coach at the Cincinnati Bengals for 29 years yeah. but that first interview like what you just pick up the pick up the phone and call him or? it was it was I just I, I scoured the internet for an email address I found it I got in, I just sent him an email out of the blue and just said I'm thinking about writing a book on Brian Pillman and I know that if I'm going to do this right I need to talk to you awesome and he just I said would you be interested and he replied in about half an hour and just said absolutely tell me the next step I love it so I just emailed him back and I just said, well, I'm happy to call you at any time. And at the same time, I, I got like an international calling card. I was ready to go. I remember. Yeah. <laughs> and then he's just like, you can call me at any time as long as not in the middle of the night like Brian used to. <laughs> and I was like, all right, brilliant. And I, it was just that day, that same day. He's like, okay, I've got this thing where I can call him. He said, any time. You know, my, my wonderful fiance was out for the day. And I was like, you know what? Let's roll the dice and give it a go. And I was on the phone with him for about six and a half hours I remember that you were supposed to be a weekend didn't you yeah it was Sunday night you. Sunday night I remember seeing you the next day and I work. came in just wired <laughs> looking, looking like a freaking zombie <laughs> and I was like what's up with you it was like I've been speaking to Kim Wood until three yeah, in the morning like if you could have like a sort of a zombie body and face but with these wired eyes in the middle of it like because obviously you know you were you were that was the, must have been the moment where you're like 
as I say, I found the people. Not that, only you know, not only did it convince me that the book needed to be written, but it convinced me that the book was going to be awesome before I'd even interviewed anybody else. Because yeah, yeah. it's like he had enough. So much perspective, so much intelligence. He's one of the most brilliant people I've ever spoken to in my life. He's just ridiculously clever. Yeah. Um, and again, just the, the the amount of detail. This memory's awesome. Yeah. Um, the stories he had are ridiculous. The, the the ability, the context he was able to give me about the way that the book not necessarily should go but just like this is the kind of thing that you're going to want to ask people this is what because because they will you know you can ask them this you can ask this person this context of the business this the, the book and it's one of the things that i think kind of i was i was pleasantly um happy to read in john lister's review because john lister you know, uh, five stars baby five star review which <laughs> I, I can't thank him enough for again john lister have been reading power slam since i was a you know since yep. forever um and and one of the things that he picked up was it's not just really a book about Brian; it's a book about the business at the time yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah. And um and obviously there's a lot of elements that tie into that. And again, that was great to talk to Kim about because Kim was it because Kim's just a, a, an aficionado of the business. No, it's great. He's it? a historian in in his own right, yeah. so he's he knows what he's talking about, and he would be able to pull out these little tidbits of mm. you know wrestling history and kind of just be like the the context of the business. And how fucking weird it is, yeah. And, yeah. and, and that comes From out an outside, but in perspective, really. Because obviously, he had so many ins into the business yeah. and, and wired into the business, but exists outside it. And, and another thing that's really interesting is that when I would talk to wrestlers or people in the business, if I mentioned Kim Wood's name, they all first of all they all held his opinion in the highest regard. Great. They all loved to know that Kim Wood had mentioned them in some way if he had. <laughs> but and it's the weirdest thing because like, like you say he's an outsider, mm. but people respect the hell out of yeah. him. And it's like you know, again I, I, you know, when I was talking to Raven, I'd mentioned something that Kim Wood had said, and Raven just jumped. I was like, that is an absolutely outstanding point. He's dead on. That's the direction you should go with this whole thing. He was like, again, Great. everybody's just putting Kim over, and it's like, and for that to be the first guy I spoke to was a massive Huge. education. Yeah, oh, I can remember. As I say, I can remember that fire in your eyes and the passion that was clearly there. Um, so, so obviously, you know, we, we could literally do uh, probably a 64-hour oh, epic podcast just <laughs> sitting talking about all of these interviews. You've got them all recorded. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so, so I don't know, in future podcasts or something like that, maybe, you know, there'll be time <laughs> to reveal more and more bits yeah, yeah. as time goes on. Um, but I, I guess a, a quick question that, that I would have to say is um, one of the things that intrigued me about reading the book is obviously wrestling books are always... They talk about matches. They talk about angles. They talk about time periods. Did you watch a lot of tapes and and did you watch a lot of network <laughs> while you were uh, <laughs> while you were doing the actual writing of the book? Yeah, tons, tons, yeah. tons. Revisited it all basically. Yeah, p- yeah. P- for the most part. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I've watched everything all over again. And that was the thing. Like at the start, one of the most daunting things was, you know, what if I do this, I am going to have to go and get every bit of footage I possibly can. Mm. And I pretty much did. And again, like I said, it was a two-year process. This wasn't something that got yeah. knocked together in a couple of months. This yeah. was a, this was something I, I I was watching. And again, I'd watched a lot of it already. But like it was, it, you know, I went out of my way to get stuff I'd never seen before. Even more so, I, I was looking for the most obscure stuff I could possibly find. Well, stuff like some of the stampedes. Exactly. Stuff. How hard is that stuff to get hold of? Uh, if you know the right places, there's, there's ways to comp get tapes it. Tapes and stuff. Yeah, like comp that. tapes. There's some great compilation places out there that you can go and find them. Um, there are there are places out there that sell discs that have like entire collections of promotions television. Yeah. So I was able to get a lot of Stampede, and again, I'm like I'm buying a lot of Stampede really just for one person. Wasn't, it wasn't like really early Stampede, you know, like the no. era that you're talking about. You got to shop around. You got to shop around. You got to look, look around, but yeah, once you, once you find it, you find these little kind yeah. of gems. But I can imagine the network proved invaluable for any of the WCW and yeah. But, I, but again, I already had this massive collection of Pillman stuff yeah, from, from yeah. like over the last 
15 years of, yeah. of collecting it so it was like it was really kind of built in that I could do it it was more like just the convenience for the network yeah, so yeah. on the network I can just go and find you know what let's go and look at Random that episode retro. of uh, yeah. yeah or, or uh, yeah, World Championship Wrestling the collection they put on there so let's go and watch some 89 TV yeah. of Pillman and just see like how it shapes up and stuff like that and yeah. you know stuff again stuff that I've either largely seen or yeah this obviously there's a ton on YouTube as well so yeah. what about um, Bengal stuff did you, did you watch most American football yeah like, so I'm a huge and that's another tie into this whole thing because I'm a huge NFL fan yeah. anyway and, and a big Bengals fan and a big Bengals fan yeah. and, and it's, it's one of those things where it's like and yeah you go there's a Bengals helmet right next to you <laughs> <laughs> and it's one of those things not, not necessarily connected to Brian is that when I was younger the NFL was always on I remember the NFL was on I can't remember what channel. Channel like, four, I want to say. So I, it's channel four, I think. Surely. I just remember it would be on on an afternoon. Yeah. And I remember again in my very scientific way, I liked the tiger stripes. <laughs> it's like I like that team. They're wearing tiger stripes. And then of course when I and again I'm a kid. I'm not when I say I'm an NFL fan. I'm not like massive. I don't fucking know everything about the NFL at that yeah. point. I'm just a kid who enjoys watching tiger stripes. The, t- <laughs> stripes and learning what the game is. Yes, because yeah. like, that's why I, when people say they don't understand the game, it's like I understood it as a five year old, so it can't be that hard. Yeah, you know what I mean. So it's like, and that probably tied into my kind of interest in Pillman early was like when they would always because Ross would always drop it in this, you know, former Cincinnati Bengal. Yes. Yeah. So, uh? Yeah, like you know, I like the I, I know the I like the Bengals. Yeah. I like the Bengals. I like, this the, Pil- I like the Pillman. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like that kind of warmed me slowly to yeah, Brian. Yeah. Is after I first hated him. Yeah, one one of the things that um, I'm interested by is how planned out the book was. Um, did you have an idea of a structure in your head and things like that, or, or did it really feed from that first interview with? Um, with Kim Wood and then into whoever came in, you know, so forth. Did, did the book take shape? Did sections become bigger than you thought, etc., based on the interviews? Yes. Yeah. Uh, this kind of, it kind of it, I had my idea, mm. but it changed as it went because it, it was one of those things where it became very obvious, first of all, that I was not going to edit out a single thing about the loose cannon. Yes. That, that was the one thing in my head that I had. It's like yeah. this is the uh, this is going to be the crux of the book because this to me is is and that's the thing. It's like everything about Brian's life up to the loose cannon leads yeah. to the loose cannon. It's not. It's like it, that's kind of the fascinating thing to me about that whole period of time. Is like and, 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 as a book, it works marvelously. That all these little stories that people don't know and all these little details that it's personal and his professional life, it all kind of leads to this perfect storm period good, yeah. Yeah, in a good and a bad way yeah. but for that six months when he becomes the loose cannon and, and, he's, and he's trying to work the world and he's trying to you know for the end game of playing both sides against the middle which is brilliant yeah. and it's like so yeah it's like I'm not going to edit any, any of that process out that six months that, that to me it's was like that's the most the, that's the part that's the most fascinating to me because yeah. it always was it always just, yeah, I was really interested by that so it's like I've got about everything that I can get on that because those details to me are brilliant. The detail to which you go into in in the book is at that section. It's absolutely fascinating. Um, I'm not going to get into this point, but there's a section about films that Pill and Watch books that you read. I literally finished that section and flipped back to the start of that chapter and started reading that bit again. It was so fascinating to understand how many mediums and influences made up that character you know mm-hmm. like, like different things that he became interested obsessed with and um you know that chapter alone is a reason to, to read the you know, the book yeah. you know it was just so to understand his might to understand the part that kim wood played all of that sort of stuff I, that everything you've just said there about how that had to be almost unabridged you yeah. know if every you snippet can't, you that could can't get, get cut out no no every snippet you get you had to do it justice um, and that that plays through with that in mind did you see the book 
in a sort of traditional three act structure by the end or do you think it's more complex than that uh, I probably thought about th- yeah, I'm going to say three act because that's it's, it's kind of okay so I'm I'm you know it's a wrestling book yeah so the pre-wrestling stuff can only really ever truly serve as a prelude yes to, to, in the minds of wrestling fans so it's like okay so that's the setup of how he ends up in the world that people are really buying this book yeah. to read about yeah so from there to me it's like that's really if there was a three act structure anywhere that's where that's it starts yeah. and the three act to me is WCW pre-loose cannon yeah loose cannon to the Hummer wreck Hummer wreck to the end yes okay and that's how I kind of saw yeah. it in my own head yeah so, 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 the, so the, uh, everything from Young Brian to the, the NFL stuff is a, a bolt on and yeah. then the, the, the true wrestling book is those three sections yeah yeah but of course, within those those three little acts, there's obviously there's all these different little peaks and valleys because his 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 journey and his life is so ridiculously interesting and fascinating. It's like, okay, within this one act, there's probably you know six or seven you know peaks and valleys to really delve into because there's a lot to talk about. A couple of favorites, a favorite story from the book. I don't need to tell it for the people who've okay. read it; they'll know it, and for the people who aren't, they'll smile when they get there. And also your favorite chapter once all was told. Um, favorite story. God, there's so many. You know what? That's really hard. <laughs> Actually, like choosing your children. It's, it's, it, yeah, I don't know if I can choose one. I love the Kazmaier stuff. Oh yeah, the there's a whole section on. He pops back up as well, like at later <laughs> points in the movie. Like, oh, he's Bill Kazmaier. Yeah. yeah, so yeah. my favourite wrestler I'd never heard of before from the book. <laughs> yeah, there's, 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 there's some great stories on him. It's like little things about either things that happened in fights or yeah. things that happened with girls or things that happened. Yeah, as part of the loose cannon thing, like things he, you know, like places he went and the things he did when he was there. Ah, oh, there's, there's quite, yeah, there's loads, man. It's like that's the the beauty of it. It's like it's loaded with this stuff. Yeah. It's like I'm trying to think of like well, that, one that's story. That's the advantage of talking to so many people. Yeah, is instead of it just being reciting this match happened then and this yeah. angle happened here. Pillman trying to this. suss out Flair's drinking. <laughs> yeah, and stuff like, like that. That, that yeah. would be up there in mind. That was fantastic. Um, you know, and, and to get some of that perspective from people like um, Shane Douglas, who were around at the uh-huh. time. What about favorite chapter? Favorite chapter is probably the loose cannon stuff. Yeah. I think, but because to me, it's just it's just so damn interesting. It's, Labor of love. And actually, it's not even really one chapter; it's three. Yeah. It's it's conception of the loose cannon. It's going rogue. It's the long con. Yeah. Those three chapters where it's basically covering that six month period in depth and really just getting into like okay what happened blow by blow almost day yeah. by day at times of like yeah. the, and like how the negotiations went back and forth and you know it's yeah. like, to get the timeline did a lot of that come from Kim Wood or many Th- sources that was that was compiled over 10 Other years from so pulling everything together yeah that was and, and, and Cornette who was on the booking committee at the oh, time in the God, WWF yeah 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 so he, his he was, vision to it all is, is great yeah and he was able to say pretty much kind of give me the ebb and flow of what happened when from their That's side right. yeah. and then obviously to get Kim's side was like okay all this kind of all ties together yeah you know, and then you get you get all these people like Raven who was there for the ECW stuff and yes. Madden who was there in WCW yeah. and Meltzer so who was Shane covering Douglas everything at the time then Douglas was in ECW at the time yeah oh yeah because they were just working with Pillman yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah that's it so yeah. um, but a lot of it's wrestling personalities it's people from Brian's life and and I think that's that's the great thing is you get this this really great melting pot of people who touch different parts of mm. his life in different ways and it all means that you've got the right first-hand sound bites for the right parts of the book and, yeah. and that's a testament I, to it I, so. I didn't I, yeah it was, was, was a conscious decision in many ways to not put a lot of fluff in because you know this, I mean the book's 318 pages as it is and it's like I'm covering an entire life I don't want to skip it yeah. I want to be detailed but I don't want to have worthless stuff in there Yeah. and it's like you know how can I say this in a nice way 
a lot of guys kayfabe <laughs> yeah no <laughs> like dope. you know it's like yeah you, you look at kevin sullivan interviews again and, and I, I wanted to talk to him but at the same time what are you gonna get i yeah exactly yeah. what are you gonna get it's like you never really know and some it's like it was a conscious decision to really pursue the ones that i got talk to me about the football sections um, right. I wanted to just throw this question in anywhere because it kind of fits <laughs> anywhere. Um, that must have been an interesting approach. Um, you know, you, you obviously talked about the fact that you've grown up being an in, interested and, and a fan of the NFL. Mm-hmm. Um, you write in the book to, to work cross continents. You know, you didn't have a, a vision that this was a book, an English wrestling book or an American wrestling book. No, no. Walk me through your approach to writing the, re- the researching and writing the football sections. Yeah, so that was the researching wasn't the easiest because obviously it was in the 80s and it's yeah, not easy to get a hold no. of footage I got I got some I was, I was very happy with the, the stuff that I got and I was able to watch and I think it kind of comes what, what off that come on like you get it on discs, like, online discs, discs wow, DVDs order them like... yeah, yeah it's, you, have to, you have to find the right places okay, similar to wrestling yeah, there, there are places out there where if you, if you search them out you find them Whereas, like, you can get, like, the 1984 season for for a wow, team. Wow, okay. And it's, like, and it's just on these... And did like, you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> did you watch all of that? Yeah, so yeah. So you watched a load of Pillman games, basically. Well, when I say a load, again, in the NFL, he didn't have the longest career. So it's not like there was a ton of Brian Pillman games to watch when it comes to the NFL. You know, his his most prominent period of, of really being a great football player was at Miami of Ohio. Right. And that's where you have the situation where he's on fire. He's awesome. He's like he's the team captain by the end by 1983. He's the star of the team. I'm getting enough of an impression. I was like, okay, I know I can see the way he plays, and I can I know the way he works. And again, compounded with other people telling me certain things that kind of echoed what I could see from my own yes. from, with my own the yeah, evidence yeah. of my own eyes. Yeah, so it's like okay, I feel comfortable that this is accurate. A lot of the stories about Brian during that period are off field antics as oh, yeah. much as they are the oh, roles yeah. in the game so. yeah. especially when he gets the Bengals yeah pleasure to write those sections loved, I loved all of it yeah it was, the thing was it was it was great to, to write it because it, it was honestly it was so much fun to write just because it was so var- it's so varied I think that's kind of yeah. one of the things that I really enjoy about the actually when I was looking at it back it's like you know what at periods of time I read it back and I'm like, you know what I'm actually because you know the way I am if, if, there's, if there's something wrong it yeah. bothers the, the living oh, yeah, shit yeah. out of me it really bothers me King Perfectionist I, <laughs> and the, you know but, like, but then sometimes and the rewarding part is when you feel like you've gotten it right you can read it back and be like you know what I actually think people will really like this it's so varied mm. that you can go into talking about the details of a, of, the, of a sporting situation to moving to something off the field. Oh gosh, that's crazy. And then Grumpy moving roots. and the, yeah, <laughs> and then moving to something, you know, also off the field that's a little bit more down to earth and yeah, quite yeah. endearing. And yeah. then something else over here that's back to being crazy, and then something yeah. else back to, to, to sport, and something over here that actually then ties into the future of his life. And it's like it's so all over the place that it's, that's why it's so fun to write because it's not like it's. Yeah, there is a linear story. There's a story that runs all the way through, but at the same time, it's like it's like you just you're going like on a roller coaster. It's like okay, so you're you're going to an end destination, yeah. but you know the you know, the highs, the lows, the swings and the roundabouts. That's that's yeah, the fun. Feel. That's yeah. the fun. So talking about play by play in football matches, let's talk about blow by blow, play by play in wrestling matches. Mm-hmm. Um, one or two maybe um, matches in the book get covered as match reports. Yep, as we probably more traditionally call them. But largely, you just talk around matches yeah. and angles, and and, um, and obviously that's not to do with the fact that Brian wasn't in his share of excellent matches. Oh yeah, talk about how how those those came about, how you decided that that was the way you wanted to write about wrestling in the book. I was very conscious that I didn't want it to be a Brian did this, Brian did that. Yeah, 
anybody can write a match report yeah. to be quite well, honest well there's hundreds of every match out there exactly you know, like, of, of, if people want to read match reports about Brian it's there they're, they're there from any number of different sources that are well respected um, in Precisely. the IWC and stuff like so that so it wasn't something that I thought I, you know what if I was buying again I always come back to this if I was buying this book myself yeah. being as big a Pillman fan as I am yeah what would I appreciate being recapped? Yeah. What would I appreciate being focused on, and what would what kind of focus would I like on it? And that's where like there are some matches in the book where it's like, okay, this one, mm. I'll give some time to the way it goes because actually the story is the match. The match is the story. Yeah. With, yeah, with yeah. Liger at Super Bowl being one of the main ones. Yes. Yeah. Where it's like, okay, this is all about the match. It's all about yeah. the style. It's all about proving a point. It's all yeah. about what this again. It's the build up of the story of yeah. he wants. The, you know, again, not to get into the details of the book, but. Yeah, you know, he really did want that light heavyweight division. Mm. And but when he, when he finally gets the match with Liger, he finally gets it. He finally has basically what he wants the whole time. Yeah. So it has to be. You have to kind of elaborate on what what happens in the match and why it works so well. Yeah. And that's where it's like, okay. That's that one you can talk about. And then you got Canadian Stampede, which is like you know, again for, for in terms of the book gets focus a, a lot of focus but yeah. you, that's not a match that needs the, the walkthrough blow by blow yeah. it's everything around it it's it's yeah. the nature of what it meant to, to, to his career it's, it's, yeah. it's what was going on that's at the time uh, you know if you yeah. talk about some of these sections I, I think back to reading them and I'm like it's just a section that, that really well tells like you say what it meant to him um, to be working with those people you know because you mm. put, put it full circle really don't you to, yeah. to sort of bring back Austin you know who had been a big part of his career well, so the, the chapter's, heart, the chapter's full, called Full Circle, full circle summer. summer yeah and here it is kind of playing out on TV in, yeah. in, a, in a situation that he dreamed of for, for years you know what I mean yeah. so and that's you know, that, that, that's a, that was a fun chapter to write too it's, it's, it's a great chapter title as well we, we sat down over a, a well, this is... breakfast one morning yeah. <laughs> uh, to talk chapter titles once the book was pretty much finished in structure I know you did yeah. some repasses through and things like that and I remember getting to Full Circle Summer and you were saying, Full Circle Summer, I want to call this the you know, chapter that focuses on this, this whole sort of great run towards the end of the, the delivery and um you know, I remember even with chapters that had great titles, I tried to offer an alter. You know, say, oh, well, this is an alternative in case you've got two minutes. And I just remember you saying that with Full Circle Summer, and I was like, that's it, that's perfect, that's a great title. You yeah. know, like it was the only other suggestion I thought of was there was a Don Henley Boys of Summer sort of uh, reference <laughs> in there that would have been good. Well, that was it. <laughs> just for the, for the benefit of the listeners, you came over as like my because the thing is, I've been talking to you about this book forever. Anyway, yes, right. Yeah. Every every lunchtime, you're bending your ear about yeah. some yeah. revelation that I just think yeah, about the book. Absolutely. And or, then, or like, like in the mornings, I'd see you in a corridor at work. You are the perfect. <laughs> I remember being like, I want to tell you this story that Bruce Hart told me, and I was like, only if you put bandana and sunglasses on. <laughs> no, I love a jacket. Love him, love him. Bruce Hart's great, by the way. But yeah, and that's the thing. It's like, yeah, and, and it's okay. Holty, you're one, and you're one of the you and Kieran, the only people on this podcast who I credit in the book because very again, Thank I, you very much. I considered you a creative consultant in the sense of. I'm looking for these. I'm looking for these chapter headings. Some of them I, I was really, really happy with, and some of them was like, "This doesn't sum it up." So that's when I was talking to you about like, yeah, the layout, what each chapter's going for, yeah. and you would recount, you know, song titles and like <laughs> whenever. You sort of, I'm sat there starting to read the book. I sat in the bath and and, and saw my name, and I was like, "Whoa!" You know, so suddenly <laughs> didn't tell you no, didn't tell you, and then says, "Thank you very much." You know, and what's great about the book is it's absolutely your baby. But it, the, the the credits and thank yous at the start really hits home with that. It takes a village to raise a child mentality, mm. oh, yeah. and, and you know, like you know, the reason you put those thanks in is because all of those people, you know, flattered as we are, in a tiny, tiny fraction of a way, 
either just like you said listened chatted through things heard things gave you a reaction yeah. something you thought oh wow I thought that was going to land do you know I'll say this for having been fortunate to have been a part of, of the, mm. the process and, and hearing your uh, everything in the book was still a surprise to me does that make sense yeah, like because yeah, sure. what i got really was like patches on a jacket you see those patches individually and you know it's just an acdc patch it's just a guns and roses patch but you see them all stitched on someone's jacket you're like man that tells that guy's story of every gig he's ever been to and, stuff. Yeah. and that was what it was like you know he's reading the book it's like oh, now i remember you know this conversation about that or, i remember that but he never explained that part yeah, yeah. okay i want to jump on to um, a quick question which is one i've been angling for but we're gonna get it who is the hardest interview that you did and i'm not i'm not looking for you to, for you to shit on anyone here or anything like that i'm interested in in maybe someone who you had to work to, to get the information out of coax them now whoever comes to your mind with that statement yeah. and t- tell it as it is it's certainly not it doesn't really require anyone getting shit on because i didn't really have a single bad interview i yes. mean that's that's and I'm, I'm lucky because i'm sure that's not the case for everybody who tries to put together something like this yeah but the thing again and it stands out about, about brian about there being something unique about him is that everybody was so eager and happy Absolutely. to talk to him uh, to talk about him i'd throw something out there and they'd jump on it in terms of one that was probably the hardest I'd say probably Mark Coleman, who's, who's, okay. who, who went to Miami of Ohio with Brian, yeah. you know, first UFC heavyweight champion. Yeah. What was difficult about it with him was that I would talk to him, and of course Miami of Ohio, that was 1980 ago, to 1980. Yeah. In, in, in Mark Coleman's case, it was probably 82, 83. I'm asking him questions about something that happened you know, yeah, 30, 30 years ago. Nearly. 35 yeah. years yeah. ago. Yeah. And it's like I'm, I'm kind of trying to like remind him about certain things I've yeah. heard from other people, and he, like, he would get there. And what would happen with Mark was, he would start and it would be like, and he'd answer it as if he had heard me say something different. Yeah. And he would then go on to a detour. Yeah. And then he would go on to another detour. And I'm there trying to like, kind of like <laughs> edging back, edging back slowly. <laughs> but the thing was, in the end, he got there full circle and he told the full story. But and the, the time, detours probably had some gems in there. Exactly. Too. That, yeah. that you, you don't actually realize, oh, okay, that's why he explained this. You know, I'll tell this because it's not in the book, but there's a, there's a part where Mark Coleman was talking about how I asked him about his first impression of Brian and he tells me the story that I put in the book and then he starts talking about like how when he, he didn't want to go to Miami, Ohio he wanted to go to Ohio University I, I think it's Ohio University yeah he wanted to go to Ohio University because it was it was just a better place more more his personal style but he had a bad experience at a wrestling meet and then he tells me the experience about the wrestling meet and I'm just there, sitting there thinking <laughs> Brian Pillman <laughs> Brian Pillman that you went to, to school with and but then as it turns and he tells the whole big long story about how he got you know kind of fucked over by the people at Ohio University how he didn't like the people in Miami of Ohio either that school wasn't for him but then it comes in a roundabout way he then explains that my mentality as a fighter was that if I felt like there was somebody that I wasn't ready for I always said give me a year and I'll go and fight them give me a year if he feels like he's been disrespectful if he feels like he's lower than somebody he he said he would always say give me a year and then I'll prove you wrong. And and this didn't make it into the book for space reasons, but he said, with Brian, I always thought, I'll need two years. <laughs> and Angus, that's the only person I ever thought that about. And he, like, idolises Brian. Yeah. Great guy to talk to. Awesome. Fascinating, fascinating guy to talk to. Just a different interview by the sounds totally. of it. Totally. You, you get the feeling that, that um, Pillman had that... Um, well, everyone calls the Bowie factor. You know, that ability to constantly reinvent self mm. to continue to stay relevant for as long as you need to well the, the thing is he had to because yes. he w- was constantly being put under the thumb for yeah. whatever reason it's like yeah. he would be something this is like the pattern of Brian's career and life in many ways he would do something right yeah. 
and then somebody would squash it not because it wasn't good but because it yeah. wasn't what they wanted yeah. and then he said okay well if you're going to put your thumb on that then I'll do this yeah. and then that would be the thing that would be liked and then that would get the thumper on it and then yeah. rinse repeat rinse repeat rinse repeat until yeah. he, he tragically dies yeah. and it's like you know that's 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 the, in, in a way that's kind of the story but there's obviously there's a lot more to it than that yeah it, it definitely Pillman stands out and the book definitely touches on this without saying it he was a plain space guy you know wherever the the, 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 mm-hmm. the, the movement of the time was wherever the crowd was forming even in football think about where it was. yes, yes. What we talk about. didn't even mean that as an analogy yeah, but yeah but it's, it's a perfect analogy because in yeah. football it's okay he was a high school kid at 120 pounds yeah. playing yeah. and it's like but where's he going to play yeah. and there's really no way for him to play but they, they try him out in a position it somehow magically works even though it shouldn't mm. And then he goes to he wants to go to college, but that position doesn't work in college, so he plays a different position, yeah. and he's incredible at it. He's finding it. Yeah, yeah, and then again, when it comes to the NFL, well, that, other, that you know, linebacker, well, you're too small to play linebacker in the NFL, so I'll do something else. I'll yeah. go over here. I'll end up on Kamikaze, you know, the Kamikaze squad. You know what yeah. I mean? The, the brilliance of the guy is being able to see the open spot. For it's a hallmark of him, isn't it? Really? Totally, it totally is, and that's why you get frustrated sometimes, especially looking at the modern business. Where it's like you almost don't think that anybody looks at it that way anymore. Like when you watch T, when you watch like, and maybe it's because it's a more strictly controlled environment now than it was then. Who knows? But you never get the sense that anybody's angling to change themselves into a gap. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. everybody is them, and they are just gonna do them. And if 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 they get used, they get used. If they don't, well, then it's their fault. A question that everyone's you know gonna gonna want to know: Would you say there was like any one person who? you got great stuff from but it just didn't fit into the book with the story you were telling like almost is there anyone whose stuff ended up on the cutting room floor and you'd almost feel like if there was a director's cut and I had more time more space different structure to the story that person gave me great stuff I just didn't you know it didn't fit to put it in Uh, I can't say that Mm -hmm. but I can say that and the things the things that people that aren't in the book I put everything I tried to make that as complete without it being bloated as I possibly yes. could yeah. so the, there would be if, if I could do it again it would look exactly the same pretty much Yeah. but I think the thing for me is there, there were certain things that people told me off the record and you can't put that in No. Nope. and mostly it wasn't necessarily stuff that really even involved Brian it was stuff that involved other, other people, people and that's fair that's because fair. they aren't necessarily celebrities and therefore it's not really fair to put their family through something if a story gets out that they find out that they might not have known that that well, yeah absolutely and that's, yeah. And that's what it's like to put it that I think way. that's an element of um, of your background compared to you're a wrestler fan who wrote a book because mm-hmm. that journalist integrity journalistic integrity yeah, yeah, is it. there with you and another one, actually, I just thought of the answer is probably Sherry Nord. Well, yeah, well, this was a big one we talked about. Yeah, uh, I, can, I can literally remember seeing you at lunch one day, and, and you know you were pretty much ready to go to print, and, yeah. and you know deadline was there, and we've been talking about it. There'd been some back and forth about whether you were going to be able to get Meltzer in in time. He ended up actually coming on board with a bit of time, oh, a good to spare. Bit of time left. Yeah. Um, uh, I remember um, Shane Douglas being He's pretty close one. to the buzzer. And then out of nowhere um, comes. Can you talk about yeah, where she came yeah, from? Yeah, yeah. of course. Because um, uh, that was off. I didn't know if that was off the record. No, <laughs> no, no. But no, yeah, no, no. out of nowhere comes um, comes Sherry, Sherry Benjamin Nord. Yep. who um, obviously she's a sweetheart. Yeah. yeah. So but the, the backstory of her is that on the twentieth anniversary of his death, which was when I announced the book was coming, yeah. of course, twenty years later, natural tie-in. Yeah. I she obviously the the post got around. You know, it was on the Observer side, on Peter Insider, stuff like that. And one of the posts got liked by her. <laughs> and I was like, okay, well, one of many people. But then I saw that Brittany Pillman, Brian's daughter, 
had said something to her and I thought I, I was just like that natural like who is, who's this person journalistic instinct so I go onto her Facebook page Sherry's and I see a note from her basically talking about uh, written on the 20 year anniversary mm. basically saying I knew Brian very well and I guess I can say it now because it's been so long but we were together for a brief period wow. when him and Melanie were getting divorced at the very end mm-hmm. and so that was like okay I've got to talk to this person mm. because Brian you know the last I mean honest to God I mean I love writing this book, but I was in depression for about three days writing the last three months of his life because it is sad, sad, sad. At least after after spending so much time looking at his life and hearing people talk about it. And again, yeah. I'm recounting stories in the book and I'm hearing people's sad voices recount the story to me and I'm writing it hearing their voices crack in my head. Sometimes back over to those tapes again oh, and again man. to get, you know, like... The way their voices sound is embedded in my head as I'm writing it. And like I said, I'm not, I'm not bullshit. I was in a, a, a bit of a minor sulk for about three days because mm. I was just like fuck's sake this yeah. is it's a sad story yeah. it's a horribly it's sad story at the end and, and again to tie it all back I can't I, I dropped a message saying sorry to drop in on you out of nowhere but I can't help but notice what you said I'd love to talk to you and, and at that point the book was actually kind of being reviewed mm. and I didn't know if it was going to be saying yeah, you like know, the, 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 the review had already started yeah. so I'd said to her you know I'd love to talk to you just because I want to know mm. and she's like yeah I'd love to talk to you Okay, great. So I called her up. She's in Alaska. <laughs> so, there's a, so like, shit and, you know, and the time difference there is ridiculous. So oh, I'm, call, yeah. I'm calling her. I'm calling on a morning, and it's like she she starts the phone call at about one, and we talk for about five hours, of course. So that goes to six hours. So she talked to me through the night, and the phone kept cutting out like every hour or so because there's like like her phone would go, then my phone would go, then her second phone would go, and then we're trying to figure it out. She gave me so much stuff so much stuff and it was like there are details in here there are stories here that should be in like getting the extra perspective about you know just how bad Brian off was at the end um, just getting the de- some of the details about what was going on with Melanie which I knew already but it was great to have a second voice yeah. but in terms of the cutting room floor like you say because there were certain things that she said that are either were extremely personal and I didn't really want to put out there without yeah. a second source or a third source to corroborate kind of a thing because yeah. I did like I said and on, I guess on, on the off chance, chance, there is no second Brian would have been the only second source in a lot of that that's and, what I'm saying and and so yeah yeah and, and, and you know like you say it seemed like you, you got on really well with her and she was a very pleasant lady and, um, her contributions oh, awesome. were definitely felt in the book ultimately uh, from what like you said at the start the mission here was the skeleton was there people knew the skeleton but you wanted to put flesh on it the bones. It has to be detailed. It had to have muscles. It had to have, um, you know, tissue. It had to had to have organs and everything. The tendons, the yeah, ligaments. It needed, and, and she, she, you know, she she was part of that. So um, For sure. Right. I want to talk next uh, briefly about the Pillman memorials. Th- th- this was a section. If I'm honest, I, I knew about them, but didn't really see a whole section of the book coming. But it's a massively important mm. section, and it will ultimately, I think, segue into one of the next things I want to talk yeah, about. Yeah, no, that's going to be one of the next people I want to talk about. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit um, about um, about oh, Les. Les. Les, yeah, Les Thatcher. Great, as well as the Cincinnati guy. Bengals helmets to the right of me is a a picture of Les Thatcher <laughs> that says to Liam, "Best wishes, your pal, Les Thatcher." Uh, and Les Pat Thatcher appears to be wearing the most awesome pair of high-waisted <laughs> swimming trunks you've ever seen, <laughs> and sporting a mustache and uh, a gorgeous. But Les, but I mean, the hair. Explain always, the hair. Explain the, the hair. hair is like a weird quaffed side parting. <laughs> um, that I guess if you wanted to imagine what this picture looks like, 
Imagine Mrs. White from Cluedo with a moustache and swimming trunks <laughs> that look like a French flag. It's the best way that I could describe it. Um, but anyway, this is a visual medium. <laughs> That's where we'll have a future podcast where Matt Holt just sits and explains random things in Liam's house. Um, but Les, I mean, wow, what a guy. You know, this guy comes across so well in the book. And, and rightfully so. And rightfully, you know, I, I remember you, again, a quick conversation, a hallway where you, you'd spoken to him. Um, did you know him before? Had you conversed with him before? No. no. Uh, maybe dropped an email or something like yeah. that. But, but this would have been years ago. Yeah. So it was like, but in terms of like, yeah, a real conversation, no. It was, it was a matter of, again, dropping an email. Yeah. I'm writing this book about Brian. Yeah. I, again, that was another thing. The Dury's DVD didn't mention the tribute shows at all. Yeah, like in passing, like maybe in passing, it might. I don't think it even did mention it. No. It mentioned. It meant they went. They gave like a, a, a extra on the DVD to Bill Cunningham, who did a radio show like a tribute to Brian, like, right. a, a one-off radio show. But meanwhile, here's Les Thatcher raising like six yeah. figures for the family with these incredible memorial shows that yeah. the WF was involved in. Yeah, yeah. and has the footage of. Yeah. Oh well, it's the, the famous example is on the. Um, Getting harder to 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 find um, oh, hard yeah. knocks um, Benoit DVD. Mm-hmm. Uh, they included Benoit versus the, you know the match gets talked about in depth in the book. Um, but yeah, um, uh, the uh, Benoit versus Regal match. Um, and I'm conscious it's probably hard to talk about the um, memorial shows without just talking about what's in the books. So is there anything like any personal thought? Did you see any of them at the time or not at the time? No. Always, always was aware of them. Always was kind of like intrigued by them just because of the nature of three com- companies coming together yeah. for, for again. But again, this thought again to tie this back to Brian in a way that doesn't actually really go too much. How much does that say about a guy? Oh, yeah, yeah, huge. You know, think about that. The, yeah. the imp- and this isn't necessarily. And, and again, when you read the book, I think you'll get, one of the big takeaways for me is you really, I think, get an understanding of Brian Pillman the person. Yes. In every way, whether it's good, bad, otherwise, it's the and, and there's highs, lows. It's not a whitewashed story. The fact that this guy dies and immediately everybody wants to help. Yeah. Yes, everybody wants to help. It's like this is you know, but every company pays their own way, sends their own guys. Yeah. Takes nothing back. Yeah. We want you to raise some money. Do, do it. Do it. Do yeah. the good job you want to do. Steve Austin. And again, a lot of it was the guys themselves wanting to do it, yeah. and then the company saying, "Well, okay," because they, how can you not? Whether, you know, no matter what you thought of Brian, good, bad, or otherwise, yeah. he was such a character yeah. as a person. He yeah. was such a personality that yeah. he's the kind of guy that you just you're gonna miss when he's not there. Yeah. And everybody did. It's, it's, it's the age old thing, isn't it? Is is he's very much one of those love me, hate me, or never forget me kind mm. of people, yeah. you know? And and that's why where that legacy is, and why that you know the shows went down. Obviously, the book deals uh, in quite a lot of detail with what became of the funds from from those um, memorial shows that the structure yeah. of, of who paid who the bank account etc which really leads to, to, to Melanie and Brian's kids um, they didn't speak to, to Melanie um, you spoke to Brian's kids you spoke to Brittany and you spoke Brittany to and Brian, Brian Jr. Jr. Um, th- their contributions are small at the end but in a crucial crucial chapter um, talk to me about the, 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 those three talk to me yeah. about you know, so Brian and Brittany have no memories of the dad yeah so it wasn't like a thing where I could say, "What do you remember about this?" Because yeah. it almost felt like I'd be insulting them to do so. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So you know, your so dad... you watched the WF documentary as well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, exactly. It's like it, it, it seems it seems false. It seemed yeah. false to be on the phone to even say, "So, what do you think about this?" Yeah. Asking them like they're a yeah, fan. That squeegee incident. But, yeah, <laughs> because that's all they're looking at. They, they yeah. can. That's all they can do, and it's sad that that's all they can do. It's, yeah. it's terrifically sad. That's How old were they both then? When when. 
Brittany would have been six or seven. Brian was four. Um, and yeah, it's a, that's obviously it's a terribly sad situation. But they were. I mean, Brian Jr. is hilarious. He's an awesome guy, and if his personality can come out in wrestling, he's going to do pretty damn well because he, he's in his last week of training. As we record this, he's, in his, the, he's uh, in his last Storm? week of training with Lance Storm, Storm right yeah. now. Um, he's if he's good athletically, if he can wrap his head around it. From a personality perspective, the guy's hilarious and he's just, he's great to talk to. Ridiculous personality, but his memories—he doesn't give a fuck. Yeah. And that's it's it's really endearing because it's like this guy just says what he wants, yeah. and Brittany says even, it. Even in the book, the two of them come across as brutally honest. Say that um, they're 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 blunt, they're honest in terms of like stuff like I could have put more in the book that seemed a lot more heavy-handed about their opinions of Melanie. Yeah. I really could have, because yeah. it was there, and they didn't care if I quoted them on it, they were happy to, but it comes a point where it's like, you know what, the story tells itself. Yeah, and it, it doesn't a mallet will do when a sledgehammer was there, you know, like, it really <laughs> is strong enough. Um, That's what I the think. The book is an indictment, uh, not the book is an indictment, but the story, um, you know, many people's sort of recollection and, and, and knowledge and, and impression would have been that interview that was done uh, the night on Raw the night after Pillman's death mm-hmm. that's the you know wrestling folklore sort of oh, thing God, right now yeah. and, and, and everyone has an opinion on it but um, yeah she comes across as an incredibly troubled woman let's not forget that she comes you know definitely uh, doesn't sound like mother of the year wife of the year any, any of that um, but she sounds like I mean, you know it sounds like Brian really surrounded himself with troubled women all through his life you know like was, yeah that's a know. really interesting thing that's a really interesting thing you just mentioned there because I, by in no trust me there was no intention when this book was started to vilify anybody yes yeah I uh, was not there's no I have no personal grudge against anybody I'm I you know I, if anything it was more I just want to find the truth tell everybody what really happened because I think this story is fascinating and he's a public figure so this story should be told it's an awesome story however part of the awesome story is the fact that like you say kind of throughout the course of his life women was a was a, was a tricky subject yeah it really was yeah. it's like yeah and, and a few people have kind of given me that the mention of the way he looked at relationships the function of a relationship in his life yeah was very different to most yeah for whatever reason yeah. trying to apply conventional logic to sort of the stuff you read in the book is, is yeah. quite hard with, and that's with it Pillman. and, 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 and I, you know this is something that i write in the book but i don't mind saying it here because i think it's absolutely crucial you know melanie was a penthouse pet she was a stripper she has her own unique environment that she comes from that has it's, that together with a pro wrestler. Though that with a pro wrestler who had a yeah. reputation yeah. for for being a wild man, and, yeah. and as, as, you, as you know in the book, Matt, you can you can speak to this yeah. lunatic in some yeah. in some instances. Gosh, yes. But like you put these together, and empty the, boots and handstands, baby. <laughs> it's not it's not Ken and Deirdre, you know. <laughs> it's like it's about as far removed from that as you can possibly imagine on both fronts. Yeah. And I mean, and again, like I said, there, there was stuff. I'll say this now because I didn't want to put this in the book, but I think I can. I'll, I'll be happy to say this here because I'm recounting something that was told Sherry had mentioned to me that and Brittany knows this apparently that when Brian had his funeral the night of the funeral Mike King who ended up marrying Melanie stayed over at their house and slept in the room with Melanie basically so they were like together straight away and he came out the next morning apparently wearing Brian's clothes and May, yeah, yeah, yeah um, who was there? Bruce Hart was there, and oh Christ, Joey Mags. Yeah. Joey Mags was there, and he's like there, like kind of like you know, getting you know, making breakfast for himself and Melanie, and pretty much kind of shooing them out the door, wow. like you know, what time you guys hit the road, kind of a thing. Like it's like acting like it was his own house, yeah. and it's like, 
You know, again, this that's the kind of thing where it's like, I've got one source for that. I can't say that no. story because, again, if on the off chance that that's not correct, yeah. I feel, I'll feel so awful if I put that on somebody. So the stuff that I, I put in gotcha. there was stuff that I knew or could prove. What a scene that must have been. Like, you know, I'm sure Bruce was probably eyeing him up for a bad company outfit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was getting the leather jacket yeah, and sunglasses on. Around, take that, Brett. Get me, <laughs> get me to take to the Badlands, baby. Oh, man. But yeah, wow. it's... But, but yeah, very, very. I mean, the book touches on that. So again, it's it's one of those things you can get into. Mm. But the book really gives you know that, that's some extra context for people who who have read or are about to read. Yeah. Read the book. But again, with, with Brian and Brittany, it's like they, they were awesome. They gave full context. Melanie, it's not like okay. So I did try and get in touch with her. It wasn't like I was trying to not let her tell her side of the story. Again, you don't know what you're going to get. Yes. She's, and once you've been given it, you. Yeah, she's not in. You have to then use it. Like she's not in the best state, health-wise. And, and yeah, mental. so to be quite honest, it's one of those things. Like, I don't really know what I'll get, and I don't really feel all that great about what I'd get anyway, knowing yeah. what's actually really going on yeah. at the time. From so many different sources, telling me the same thing. And again, not even just it's not even word of mouth. If you want to look at the arrest record, it's, it's not that hard to find. So yeah. you know, it is what it is. It's, and again. Sad story, but yeah, that, that, that's, the, that's, that's the way it is. This is a pro wrestling podcast, Squared Circle Gazette Radio. Go for it. And we've only just come to the... So how about those wrestlers you talk to? <laughs> um, so again, it's going to be a, a, a wind him up and watch him go. You must have some, some cool um, moments. And I'm not just talking about the wrestlers, but the wrestling personalities. Um, obviously, Raven... Um, Shane Douglas, Shane Douglas was there. And, uh, and, and Cornette, you know, t- talk about what it was like for you as, as a, you know, a fan as well as someone who is in a professional capacity working on the book. Mm. How was that for you? So, Cornette was, Cornette's obviously, you, you talk about wind him up and let him go. Jim how, long was his, how long was his conversation? Uh, just a couple of hours or so. Okay. Yeah, it, it wasn't like... Hard, was he hard to get together? No, so this was the cool thing. I, I dropped him an email. Yeah. And... You know, okay, which I would do regularly with like a bunch of people. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm doing this. If you want to get in touch with me, here's my email address, right? And he gets back to me about a month after I sent him the first email I ever sent yeah. him. And he said, Sorry, Liam, I'm terrible with emails. I've just seen this. I would love to help you with this project because Brian's a fascinating guy. Lovely. Excellent. Let's fix it up. So I, I we set up and we're going to talk on Skype, right? Okay. Now, like video? No, no, no. Oh, just a voice call. Just yeah. a voice call on Skype. So I don't have Skype at this point. So I'm talking to Corn. I'm trying to figure out how this fucking thing works. And at the same time, because obviously there's a time difference between UK and US, and this was either just before or just after one of those lovely periods of time where we lose or gain an hour. I think there were mountain time or something. In the- <laughs> I'm like, I'm trying to figure out what the fuck time it is. It's like, okay, like, what time am I supposed to call Jim Cornette? And the last <laughs> thing I want to do... There. He's like, cutting a promo on you for not getting in touch with him. That's what I'm saying. It's like, you <laughs> tread carefully, you know. I see him pop up on Skype. Okay, I was right after all. I called him up. And he goes, Liam, you're an hour early. <laughs> like, <laughs> fuck Fucking mountain time. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, well, Jesus Christ, Jim. Sorry, but uh, as I found out, don't trust the internet. Don't worry about that it. Fucking Google. <laughs> yeah, he's like, oh, don't worry about it. I've had more problems with the internet than anybody. <laughs> talk, talk to you in an hour. I'm just going to talk to Lance Storm. Okay. <laughs> Get you, take your ticket in the deli queue. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's like, don't worry about it. We'll, we'll talk at the time we agreed. Nothing's wrong. But again, super cool guy. You know, great guy. Great, great stories. Love the guy. Yeah. Again, gave me a funny story that he said was off the record, which was which would have fit in perfectly with some of the ones that are in there anyway. Yeah. But again, he, he, sometimes I guess some of those stories just supplement stories that are in there. They're just another story that says the same thing. It's not, not the same thing, but another incident that really just hammers home. Yeah, Brian was off the wall. You know. Brian, Brian, yeah, Brian. Brian is a ladies' man in this hilarious story where it's like, 
And, and, and Jim's thing was, I don't know how you have a problem with telling the story, it's just that it wouldn't read right. Yes. It, to, to some people it will read funny, to it's some people it will read, you know, there's, whatever. There's one story that I, I, I said to you, well, I, I called you or texted, I can't remember, yeah, when I was yeah. reading the book, that read very, to me, like, I was a just, just stopping my, my tracks. But I think it was important that you include it because I think it gave a real true sense of what Brian could mm -hmm. be like. You know, yeah. Uh, yeah uh, and that's like, it. It's like, that, that's him. What's and all. You, you, I remember you telling me, you know, as you neared the end of the book. And do you know, it's funny because I think that segues. Did you want to say any more about oh, Yeah, so the, the, talk, um, Raven. Raven, yeah. Raven, which, which was great because I didn't know what I was going to get with Raven anyway yeah. because Raven's Raven, you know. Yeah, that awesome Raven voice in interviews. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love it. It's, it's, I got that in the first minute. So, yeah. Raven, because Raven was great because I was actually talking to Shane. I was trying to get in touch with Shane Douglas and yeah. Raven just saw it and said, and basically gave me his email address. Oh right, okay. So he saw like the request on Facebook yeah. or something like that. Yeah, or? yeah, on, uh, on Twitter. And I tried to get in touch with him before, and it hadn't <laughs> worked. Going to say like Rev just randomly picked up the phone in Shane Douglas's house. He's like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah tremendous. <laughs> so, what about me? <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty much how it started. Yeah. So what ends up happening is he basically um, he, he leaves me his email address. I send him and say, I want to get in touch with you anyway, and I, I've tried before didn't work and was, as it turns out I had the wrong email address so that'll do it but uh, and he did what no one else did and I expected more people to do yeah. which was he said okay before we do this yeah. <laughs> answer this and he gave me this list of like 10 questions it was like what kind of books are going to be yeah what, yeah what qualifies you to write this book how, how much do you know already who have you spoken to he's like basically quizzing me about how qualified I am to, 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 to do a story about Brian Pillman I basically relay everything to him that I've Who been, been doing so far, yeah. everything just tell him the truth and he comes back and goes you've answered my questions perfectly we'll talk on Sunday Yes. and then again I call him up on Sunday I call Raven and it, this is like classic this is like typical Raven right he goes I, I, yeah, I say hi it's Liam O'Rourke uh, calling to talk about Brian Pillman he goes ah Liam how you doing are you any relation to patio furniture <laughs> <laughs> And I just my, that was my exact reaction. I was like, "It's an exaggerated laugh." Do I cry? It was. It was. It's like it's like an exaggerated laugh. I said, "That's terrible." And he goes, "Ah, it's tremendous." What are you talking about? And then, like from there, he goes, "We talk, we, we talk a little bit." And he goes, "He just segues into." Do you want to hear my Conor McGregor impression? <laughs> you got all of this on tape. Like, yeah. Obviously, you know, like I said, yeah. you know, it's not yeah. to recorded to everything. So it's like, so like me and him for like the first five minutes is going back and forth with Conor McGregor impressions, which is just completely and again <laughs> for, for no reason really. Other than I got an Irish name, and Mark Coleman was the same. Like as soon as I called Mark Coleman up, you're like the least Irish person I know. I know. Like, you're not remotely like obviously the rocks there from somewhere, but you don't like talk or look, nah. look Irish. Don't look Irish. Yeah. You don't. Yeah. <laughs> but, but like, they loved it. They, <laughs> Coleman, as soon as I start talking, Coleman's like, whoa, you got an accent, buddy. You're like Michael Bisping. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like... Not yeah. at all. Not the slightest. So Raven's just, as soon as, like, as Raven does that whole patio furniture gag, it's like, <laughs> uh, it's like I'm going to get along with him great because he's just, he's just a goof. Yeah. And like when you start talking, it's like he's just he's just a, he's aloof, he's funny as fuck. Great stories. Did you, did you did you tangent with those guys a lot or not? Or were they oh, like yeah. Yeah. Then they, they talk them. about anything. Like yeah. Pretty much all of them. Some people tangented more than others. Yeah. Some people tangented in a way. I mean, that was the, the beat with Kim. Yeah. To, again, to start off, just... he would go all over the place. But he would go all over the place. I I, I, I I've probably said this to you before. When I first called Kim, I had a big notepad filled with questions. I asked him the first one, and he segued into every that next question I had. I'm just Jesus. ticking them off the list. Yeah. I didn't even have to ask. He, yeah, he knew exactly. <laughs> he knew exactly 
what where I wanted to, to know, where to go. Well, he lived it. He lived it. He lived it. He knows yeah. it better than anybody. Yeah. And he comes in at a certain point in Brian's life and stays for the rest of it. Yeah, it's exactly. And, that, and, and the cool thing about him was, I keep, you know, again, it reverts back to Kim, but he was so crucial to the book, is so many people, Bruce Hart saying, Mark Madden, Bruce Hart, Raven, they all said the same, you've really done yourself a service talking to him first. Yeah. Get because, the base. Get the base. Because he knew Brian better than anyone. Yeah. And then again, full circle to come bring it round to the end. When the book's finished, Kim's got a copy, and he emails me and says, "For all that's ever been written about Brian Pillman, you nailed the little, you got the little bastard, you summed the little bastard the best, whatever it was he said." It's like that to me is like your dad patting you on the back at graduation or something uh, like that. You yeah, know, it's like, that, that's the definitive. That is um, the that is you know acknowledgement or all the five star reviews from people reading all that for someone who knew him so well. Yeah, again with, with all these people that knew from certain periods of time, you didn't overdo it, and like. It's his stamp of approval. It sounds like it's me putting myself over. He said it, and it's like, to me, if I would have done that and everybody had said it was great, but Kim Wood said, yeah, yeah, I would have been devastated. Yeah, for the simple reason that when I first spoke to him, one of the first things he said to me was, "You want to go back and read Sex Lies and Headlocks oh, yeah. by Shauna Sale. Sale." Yeah, and he said, "You want to read the way Shauna Sale wrote about Pillman." because he fucked it up hmm. but what you want to do is you want to go back and read it to see how he fucked it up so you don't fall in the same so you don't do the same you don't fuck it up the same way hmm. and so I read that book and it's here somewhere it's knocking around yeah stories stories are, are fascinating but they then need crafting into mm-hmm. a, a narrative and um, you know and again there is there, there is no it, to me greater authority on this subject than Kim yeah. so for him to say you nailed it to me means more than any individual uh, review or anything else but don't get me wrong I do appreciate those reviews though so keep them coming <laughs> what about keep the five stars reviews coming yeah. give Liam a trip advisor yeah, review yeah, yeah. Um, if, if you think it's a one star you can just leave that to yourself yeah. <laughs> keep, keep your opinions <laughs> what about Shane because Shane Douglas obviously touches on a couple of points in the, the story mm-hmm. in a big way yeah. uh, the WCW run and the ECW more so, more so than I thought in the early days yes because I didn't realise that him and Pillman travelled together which yes. is a real yeah, boom you just assumed it was the matches with Steamboat and... I thought well I knew they were together because again I, I, I knew the timeline and I, I yeah. stood the time I knew that there was a crossover between the yeah. dynamic dudes and Flying Brian's introduction. Yeah. I knew there was a crossover. I didn't know how, if they were close or anything like yeah. that. But to get okay, so in like Brian's introduction, quite they rode together a lot, and yeah. then of course they rode together and wrestled each other a lot in the blondes, yes. and then they worked together in ECW. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they, there was always and again because and Shane's a smart, smart cookie. Mm. There's a lot of sharp insight there yeah. from Shane. Yeah. That, again, I, and I, I wanted to talk to him. He's one of the guys I really wanted to talk to. Yeah. But it's like that was really beneficial that was really good because he, he had a lot of good stories yeah. and here's one that didn't make the book that actually and it's one of the things that I really that everybody that reads this book will learn and I certainly learned it which was Brian part of the brilliance of Brian is the ability to treat everybody in a way that appeals to them mm. he'll talk to you on your level yeah. and it's like I, when I would speak to Kim and I get all the crazy stories and everything that he did and I'd speak to Bruce Hart and get all these other stories about what he did and then I'd talk to a guy like Colin Bauman mm. who, you know, a Glaswegian who was the, the editor for WCW magazine yeah. and I said so I've heard a lot of stories so far about Brian being crazy did you kind of hear a lot of those kind of wild stories yourself and he said he was never that way with me yeah. he yeah. was always calm he was always yeah. rational he was intelligent we had some crazy times yeah. but he was never he wasn't a wild man around me yeah. because it didn't appeal to him yes I speak to, 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 to Meltzer near the end and Meltzer sums it up great by saying you know, Brian had a, a unique ability almost like a sixth sense maybe developed it in football because as a uh, as a nose tackle he had to read plays and, and kind yeah. of read people's body language and expressions but he got the he developed the ability to read people really fast and so what would happen is 
as Melter explains to me, if he had a story about having, you know, sleeping with somebody on the road, he'd call Mark Madden. If he had a salacious story, he'd call Mark Madden. If he wanted to talk about Luthers at four in the morning, he'd call Dave Meltzer. But he, he had different people for different things that he'd go to. And one of the interesting things, and this is the untold story, is Douglas tells me this story about how when he first comes into WCW, and Jim Ross asks Johnny and, and Shane to ride with Brian. And one of the first things that happens is they get into a cab together, and Brian is doing what he would always do. He's just a wind-up merchant, Pillman. He'd yeah. just like he, he, he'd, he'd rag on people. He'd like say you know, kind of controversial things to get a rise out of people anyway. He, he did it just to be funny. He did it to be a wise-ass. So Pillman's kind of ragging on this cab driver, just for the sake of entertainment. And Shane's like, he said some things that if I actually told you would seem quite demeaning, even though he's saying it in a jokey way. And the cab driver's taking it in a jokey way, and there's no harm done. But he gets out of the car, Brian does, and he gets out and he comes over to Shane and he's kind of laughing to them like, wasn't that funny? And Shane and Johnny are like, yeah, doesn't really appeal to them. Their yeah. sense of humor. Whereas like, you know, in, in Calgary, it would have been huge. It would have been yeah. huge. Yeah. Because you know, that, the, the, bravo, the, the bravado, the nature of yeah. those guys, again, it's just like, it's everybody's been completely off the wall. You know, Stampede's yeah. a crazy territory. Yeah. There's enough stories. Larger than life, larger, larger, larger than life. Oh, yeah. Old, old back, backward, backward mentalities that, that feed some of that stuff then. So. And, and there's plenty of Calgary stories in this book. Yeah. And, and they'll explain exactly why, you know what I mean? And so he comes from that environment. He comes in and tries to do the same thing and it doesn't work and he quickly changes mm. he realizes that doesn't really work with with johnny and shane so i'll just be the more a slightly more reserved version even though he's still you know the fucking firecracker of the of, of the uh of the of the, the night out i guess in summary it, it's two questions it's fir- first one I'll, I'll go with first overall the experience from where you started you know be it those first viewings you know over kieran's shoulder uh, through to training and, and, and your appreciation there where are you at on Brian Pillman now? What, what's your impression after after all of this and, and you know all the stories and the hours and hours that you know even the untold hours that, that you know that you know mm-hmm. didn't make the book? Some some up your your relationship with with him as a person, a performer, and and your thoughts now. Man, it's just it's almost this will tie back into me asking you this question. I got a question for you at the end. Ooh. What I thought of Brian anyway was heightened. Yeah. and expanded yeah. with unique twists and turns yeah. things I didn't know things I did and Hanson explained it's basically taking what I already thought of the guy and completely modifying it and enhancing it which really I hope is the way it is for everybody that reads it Yeah, I think that anybody that reads it their preconceived ideas of what the story is will change yeah. their preconceived ideas of what Brian is and was will yeah. change his position in the business and his history will change yeah. whether that's good or bad is in the eye of the beholder from a personal perspective I couldn't even tell you, yeah. because I don't even know. <laughs> like after, after all these all these stories, it, it, it honestly it feels like it perfectly sums it up. In, in the weirdest sense, it almost feels like I actually know him, yeah. because I don't know what to think of him. Yeah. Because I know so much now yeah. from from doing all this stuff. It's like I've, I've yeah. compressed his life into the, in this way. It's like I can't even begin to figure out what my own thoughts of him are, yeah. other than admiration for the fact that he was so fucking clever yeah. so smart so determined yeah. from a personal perspective it's like there's, there's highs and lows there and it's like I, I, I again without actually knowing the person to know to be around him it's like this is just one of the most unique people total package I've ever heard yeah you know and that's, real that's a, total package <laughs> yeah, yeah which, you, which you'd love to hear you say yeah. but like this probably sums it up Alex Marvez who, who I spoke to for this book as well from the, he was you know, 
a great NFL writer. Everyone probably knows his voice from or, or knows of him from being a wrestling writer at various points. But he summed it up best when he said to me, the thing with Brian is, you had Brian Pillman the scholar. Mm. You had Brian Pillman who, in some regards, is a family man and comes off like a family man and a great guy because for a period he was. And he, mm. again, you hear a lot in the book about how great he was with his kids. But then you had Brian Pillman who loved pie and loved the ladies. And you had the Brian Pillman who would get in fights. And you had the Brian drink, Pillman yeah, who would drink yeah. and had problems. And you had this... You take all these things that are just completely all over the map. If Halty, let's talk your language here for a second. If this was an insights yeah. examination... <laughs> if this was an insights exam, he's got red, he's got yellow, he's got green, he's got blue, and he's all Every over the page. All over the page. And when you grab it all and you bring it all together into this one person, it creates something that's completely unique. It's completely like anybody else. There's a line in the book, um, I want to say it's a Bruce Hart line, where he describes Brian as a, uh, and this is uh, too much for spoiler, but he describes him as a Roman candle in a hurricane. Which is a line from from his eulogy. Yeah. yeah. What what a fantastic description. It's awesome. You know, to the point where I wanted to call the book Roman yeah, Candle in a Hurricane. Yeah, we discussing it. I remember you saying, I, we were back and forth on it, didn't yeah. we? And I was like, ah, oh, you know, I love it, but it, it it needs the context. Like it's one of those titles that wouldn't make you grab a book off a shelf, but after you'd read that book, you'd go, "That's the perfect title." Yeah, exactly. But that, it, it, unfortunately, that's not the business of, of no. some of the book. No. So, so in the end, that's why we went against it. But like you say, it is a brilliant analogy. Bruce said it on his eulogy, which I've got a copy of over there. By the way, if you want to read the whole thing. Okay. Um, I was going to put that in. I was going to put Bruce's whole eulogy in, but in the end, space, space, yeah, space, 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 space. It sums it up so perfectly because he's just he's so all over the place. Mm. There are certain guys that unfortunately get lost to history and yeah. and Brian's Brian's story just refuses to die. Yeah. The fact that twenty years later a book can be released on him that has this many new details and unheard stories speaks volumes about how unique this guy is. Yeah. And how special this guy is. And why this why again all these people wanted to tell these stories to me. One what one not even one of a kind. Like he's not a kind. He, he, you know, you can't, you can't pigeonhole anything nope. about him. No, nope. and I think it's why he remains such a fascinating um, character. All these, you know, all these years on, I just think there is there is so much to it. I, personally, I, I look forward to during the Christmas holidays, for example, sitting down and reading the book again. You know, like yeah, taking right, yeah. time to read it again. I think there's there's more to get out on a second read. And um, I'll say this: I'm not on the payroll. <laughs> <laughs> He's given me two glasses of water. That's all. All of that since I've been here. Wait to make me I will <laughs> made himself a cup of tea. I uh, I, I will say, um, look, you know, get your ass onto Amazon. It fourteen ninety nine. It's alright. Yeah, for, for Britain. You know, put Liam's kids that he doesn't have through college and uh, just do it for yourself. Read it, you know, and, and it's available in uh, U, the US and Canada as yeah, well. Yeah, it's available everywhere. If, cool. if, you've, got if Amazon you've got an Amazon, country, you can get it. You can get it. And yeah, again, I spent two years on the book, and I really, really think. I wouldn't have put it out there if I didn't think there was some value to the wrestling, the world of wrestling in general, let alone just fans. Fans, yeah, yeah, yeah. To exploring this in yeah. in as in as much detail as it is, not just because of Brian and Brian's, you know, obviously, like you say, he's a fascinating, one of a kind guy. And yeah. like I say, I can't, I can't repeat Kim Wood's endorsement enough because that meant to me that's that's the the gold star if there ever was yeah. one for me. But just the way the fucking business was in the eighties and nineties that comes out in this book, yeah. what a what a weird. Yeah. Weird business, and again, we haven't even harped that much on the fact on, on the Melanie stuff, no. and how, how you know again, it's you know, all over the page. I think there's details in here about his football career that, if you're interested in that, there, there's stuff in there that you've never heard before. Yeah. There's things that happened during his run with the Bengals that end up tying into his attitude later in life. Yeah, lessons he learned that tied in later in life. 
in terms of Stampede, there's a ton of fun stuff in there, and uh, WCW years is, 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 is detailed a breakdown as you could probably get without actually, like you say, painstakingly writing an encyclopedia yeah. about what was going on, but in context to Brian. And then, of course, the loose cannon, I think, is the most in-depth, detailed breakdown of that that will ever be written. I don't see how it's possible with him being dead to be more detailed than, than that is. And unfortunately, the stuff at the end, it's not... Ain't pretty. Ain't pretty. Ain't pretty. And I guess this ties into what I wanted to ask you, was your, I guess, emotional perspective yeah. reading the book. Like, What did you think at various points? I'm really... It's that layered thing. There were points where I found him to be one of the most endearing characters in the wrestling world. I found, and there were points where I found him quite loathsome. You know, like you know, in in terms of like some of the things that he would say and do. Um, there's one story about a girl with a uh, a bizarre um, uh, tendency to throw herself <laughs> in bushes. It'll make way more sense if you read the book. But it, you know, there were elements like that where you, Ooh, okay, that's you know, okay. But I, I think he remains. You can't not be drawn to him and the story, whether you, like I say, whether you love him, you hate, him, you won't forget him. And and I think that yeah, I went up and down and road. It reminded me a lot of you know some of the, the shittier aspects of the business, as you say. And, and um, you know, I, I guess really what you have is is almost like a, 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 a in a in a in a box. A story that tells so many elements of the wrestling business and wrestling history. You've got the old territory in, when he's in Stampede. You've got someone coming in with a sports background. You know, all these things that we see as intangibles mm. and different things that are, you know, them working in WCW through all of these horrendous changes of the guard. You know, that's one of our things that we love in wrestling. Well, oh, then they brought this book. And, it was, yeah. you know, <laughs> and there's so much of that, you know, um, a new sheriff old story, you know, is, yeah. is one of the chapter names. In a way, it's a story about a guy who massively overachieved and yet massively never reached the potential that he had. Which is ridiculous, isn't it? It's, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a, in, in and of itself, it's a contradiction the, that the, should the, not the, the, happen. Exactly, the perfect summary, the Pillman Paradox right yeah, there. Yeah, I, I remember there's a famous line where Ozzy Osbourne said that Sgt. Pepper's is the greatest and most overrated Beatles album of all time. <laughs> and, and really, with Pillman, it's that thing of how he massively overachieved, yet can you say, you know, he should have had such a bigger impact mm. and, and run. Um, but at least this book goes to... to getting that story out there and putting put us somewhere closer to it. And again, I think it's, it's, it's fun to look at a, a story from a guy whose perspective was not that he grew up a wrestling fan. Yeah. And, 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 and to be honest, was smartened up to wrestling before he even got into wrestling by somebody outside of wrestling. You, you, as, as bizarre... Even that is like a bizarre story in itself. To, like. to, to the point where like he goes in, and here's another little detail that I didn't put in the book, he goes in thinking that everybody in this business is borderline mentally ill. Because of the nature of the business, the way it is, yeah. the, the the fucking demands on you, yeah. the the way that all these Why would anyone get into it? stupid head games. Yeah. Kim would tell me a story about how like, he went back to like an arena once, and all these wrestlers like whispering to each other like little schoolgirls, and it's just like look at all these precious men. Yeah. Like and and Pillman, a guy who who came in, who went through like, real adversity in his childhood, in a succeeded in a real environment, and now here he is in this kind of work environment as a legitimate tough guy. Look at these fake tough guys. Yeah. And like there was one point where like he, he goes in and this is when he's been WCW for about a year and Kim's just kind of asking him what the, the landscape's like and Pillman just says it's pretty much exactly what we always thought it would be yeah. which is that almost all these people in this locker room even the top guys are hanging on by a thread yeah. mentally. Yeah. They're all hanging on by a thread. Yeah. They're all this close to a breakdown. So the book I'll say it one more time it's crazy like Fox it's available through Amazon. If you haven't done it 
got it already, Christmas is around the corner. Find a family, relative, or buy the book. Get someone else to buy the book. Um, but enjoy it. It's a fantastic read. And uh, as you've probably gathered tonight, a lot of heart, soul, and passion went into it. <laughs> yeah, so so this has been Square Circle Gazette Radio. And uh, I'm Matt Holt. And I'm Paddy O'Furniture. <laughs> Thank you very much for listening. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Bye. <laughs>